0: cold calling versus inbound marketing, which is best? Hey, I'm Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com and host the top 100 B2B marketing podcast, Business Growth Show. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly email where I share actionable website and marketing tips, useful podcasts, goodies, resources, and more to kick off your week with a bang, why not give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. So today's episode is a red hot recent event hosted by Air Marketing, where we go at it and we decide once and for all, which is the very best strategy for your business. Is it cold outreach, cold calling, or inbound marketing? Myself and three other industry experts, go at it. I'm on team inbound. Let's jump in see what you think
1: i am joined by four brilliant people um James Key, sam dunning jerry hill and justin rowe they'll do their own intros in a minute we'll try and rocket past this bit really quickly and today we have our great sales debate um inbound marketing versus outbound cold calling where do you want to spend your money what's the most effective channel what's better okay we know in real life it doesn't quite work like that but for the sake of today we've got two teams two people are passionate about their channel and their go-to-market strategy and uh, are going to argue the hell out of why it's the best route to go in this debate Um, but before we get into that we're joined by a very special guest today mr james ski who is taking my chair hat off me for the month this is a topic that I felt so passionately about, I wanted to get out of the chair seat uh, and get in and start debating it. So uh, my good friend and trusty presenter, James Ski, is gonna step in and chair the conversation for today. I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job. So James, over to you to take control of the conversation and get us kicked off for the day. Super excited about this debate. Um, I'm surprised
2: you didn't try and clone yourself, Owen. Um, Fortunately, you've got a better version today. So I'm looking forward to hosting um, this important debate because it's critical to all our successes on how effective we are building our go-to market strategies. And when considering the best channels to deliver success, we've got our team of Owen Richards and Jerry Hill that are focused on um, the power, the beauty, and the effectiveness of cold calling and going outbound of the phone. And then we've got Sam Dunning and Justin Rowe, who are going to be talking about the beauty and the power of inbound marketing and why that is much more effective. And so the scenario that I want you to keep in your mind is, you know, if you had a pot of money, let's say £10,000 or $10,000, whatever it might be, um, and you had to set out and invest that 10K in one and only one of these channels, what would it be? So you've got 10k per month to invest in one of these channels. So I, I want to kick off um, the debate with um, uh, just getting the individuals to introduce themselves. And then we're going to go and kick off with the first question. So uh, I'd love to hear from Sam Dunning first, please.
0: Thanks, James. So big up team inbound, first of all. Um But yeah, I'm co-owner. At webchoiceuk.com, we build websites and SEO strategies for B2B companies that generate leads and sales, and we also host a B2B marketing podcast, Business Growth
3: Show.
2: Great. Thanks for being here, cheers, Sam. Justin?
3: Uh, I am Justin Rowe, founder and CMO of Impactable, a LinkedIn ads agency, uh, and I am for Team Inbound because that is how we get all of our leads and revenue.
2: Amazing. And then Team Cold Calling Outbound team, Jerry Hill?
3: Yeah, Jerry Hill, our VP for Connectors
4: Selling Europe, uh, fundamentally help scale-ups and market dominance, dominant companies curate market dominance.
2: Nice.
1: Owen? Owen Richards, founder and CEO of Air Marketing. We run outbound SDR programs that lean heavily on cold calling to generate pipeline for, 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 for businesses who want to grow revenue.
2: Amazing. So a great set of experts to really give you, the listener, a um, uh, perspective. Just a shout out to JC, uh, JD Garcia uh, coming in on the comments. Uh, do add your comments to the stream um, because we will bring in the questions um, for our panelists because we want to get your perspective. So shout out to everybody that's um, uh, getting involved as we build this. And also make sure you share the link um, on your channels so you can engage um, with more of your connections um and relationships out there so let's kick off with um what i'm keen to hear first starting with the outbound team is you know what is what are your top reasons uh for choosing outbound to be your success channel
1: Tomorrow. jerry do you want to go first yeah I'll right do. we're
2: going team outbound owen i thought i was the host <laughs>
1: We are outbound. No,
2: sorry, team inbound. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said you were an upgrade. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting confused with my own language. Sorry, I'm starting with team inbound. Uh, team inbound, Sam, do you want to go
0: first? Why am I team inbound? Well, we, we very much practice what we preach. So like, just like Justin, all of, our, all of our business now comes inbound, primarily for us through organic search. So if you search terms like web development company, we're up top. Um, and that's what we're selling. We're selling SEO. We're selling websites to attract people that actively need your product or your service that have intent for that product and service they search for it on Google they find your website they convert on your website and get in touch that's a that's a one liner on why you should go inbound
2: amazing justin
3: the biggest thing for me about the inbound is you're building an engine that continues to produce even if you stop putting in effort on a daily basis uh, so that's my biggest thing is if you stop cold calling cold emailing for a whole month you watch things kind of dry up. But if you put in the work for inbound, you create a machine, you can stop uh, for a month or two. And not only will it continue, but sometimes it'll even pick up momentum.
2: Easy, easy. So Justin's already gone in with the juggler that um, (laughs) inbound is easier and better work. Uh, You don't have to work so hard for it once it's up and running. Um, who's, Who's gonna counter that on the outbound team?
4: Yeah, I'll go. Um, Outbound significantly has low barriers to entry. Anybody with a sheet of names, an email address and a phone number can get started immediately. You don't need to structure particularly against that. I think the second thing is something that is completely converse to Sam's perspective, which is servicing the people who are in market right now. Companies want to be market dominant. They need to learn who's not in market right now. Three percent of the B2B market is in market right now. What about the other 97
1: percent of the market? How do you learn about them?
2: Interesting perspective. Owen?
1: Love that. And I was going to say, it's funny, the inbound guy, guys gave really short answers because I think they expect everyone else to have done the research for them. I'm not sure about that, but that was maybe one of my <laughs> one of my hypotheses. Um, I think from my perspective, there's two, there's two things. I think Jerry's hit the nail on the head there with the, I call it under the iceberg. There are people looking that will come to you through it through inbound, but there's a big chunk of the market. They don't know what you do. If you're in a category that, that, that people don't know, that's a category yet. If you provide a service they're not aware of. How on earth do they become an inbound inquiry through um, through something that's, n- that, that, that's a lot sort of so, more gentle in terms of, in, you know, on your feed instead of in your ear? Um, so that's that's one. I think from a quality perspective, we've always been bel- big believers that you've got more control over the type of inbound lead you can you can um, provide into your sales team because you can qualify people out um, through a, through a conversation. Whereas. For us, inbound leads coming in, there's a hell of a lot of, you've got to sort through the wheat from the chaff. Um, Anybody can click an inbound form. Not everybody can be booked a time with an AE. They've got to earn that right through outbound. And then also the scalable piece. So to to, to pick a channel as an example, if I'm running a PPC campaign, there are only so many people searching for that service. And it kind of feeds into the, the percentage of market at any one time. You get to the point where you're spending 10K a month you might go to 20, but not get any better performance. Whereas once you nail outbound, for me, it becomes get more and more scalable. So far, easy to, far easier to control as you scale it. And those would be my three top reasons.
2: So it's interesting. Um, I'm already going to go off uh, script a little bit because there's a couple of things that Owen mentioned there from um, control and, and scalability. So, you know, Sam, do, do you feel that you um, have the same control over the success of inbound from your SEO strategies that you implement?
0: Massively. So just to pick fault in both Owen's and Jerry's argument straight away, Jerry said with outbound, you can get a list of names and numbers and call them right away. Well, in this day and age, you can't. In fact, I ran an experiment just to take the mickey out of outbound recently where I got a list of 50 numbers and I called all 50 and none of them went through to decision makers. This was a data B2B list that I bought and none of them. is 2 a skill up. It's a no, skill not... <laughs> <laughs> they literally weren't there. So that's one example. Also, 3%, you're, you're right, only a small percentage of your, your target market or your target ICP, idle client profile will be in market to buy. But that percentage could be huge depending on your industry. And also, that's only if you're going after direct intent. So that's only if you're trying to capture them on a Google search engine with paid ads or organic search. We're, we can chat about this in a minute, building demand just like you do with Outbound. There's a massive inbound way to, to build demand, to create awareness, to educate the market so you become the go-to brand because you're being a useful resource. You're the only choice.
2: I like that. What would you add to that, Justin?
3: Yeah, I would just say the idea that Inbound is mostly focusing on the 3% that are ready to convert, I think ignores a huge part of it where, to me, Inbound is a creation of organic systems as well, like our YouTube channel. Was an inbound kind of system that we're creating it's an organic community and that's serving the 97 percent who aren't don't know there's a problem don't want a solution yet and it, it introduces them to the problem it nurtures them through and then when they are ready to buy yes you know they'll come seo organic or direct search and they'll come through those traditional channels but uh, to me the organic communities that you build in pockets they service the the whole, you know, those who uh, the ninety seven percent and the three percent. So I do think we have more control over that funnel than just you know trying to get that bottom.
2: It sounds to me that there's much more scale uh, in inbounds. And um, Justin mentioned earlier that that um, it works when um, when you're asleep. So, like yeah. Jerry, how, how how do you deliver? Um outbound calls
4: when you're asleep. (laughs) Um, right. So that's fundamentally something you can't can't control. And there is some moments of scalability, but I actually think (laughs) it comes back to the artifact of what a business-to-business sales conversation is intended to do, and that's to curate trust. And trust it scales hard to come by in digital. You just simply can't trust in digital in the way that you can with the human voice. Now, some really interesting science that my CEO, Chris Beal, talks about a lot here, which is trust in the human brain is processed in bits of information per second, right? Similar to a computer, in that core part of your brain. Now, written word, digital content, anything that requires effort on behalf of the person consuming that content, you probably need 100 to 200 times more content to process at the same level of trust that you can deliver in a 30-second cold conversation. The human voice is the ultimate transmission vehicle for scaling trust fast i can get 100000 bits of information into somebody's brain using tone inflection skill and relevancy in a way that i simply can't package into any other channel today so if i can solve the 50 to 1 data connect issue that sam had which i can but this isn't an avatorial and I can scale the number of conversations that I can imprint on somebody's brain, then I can develop and design nurturing systems from the outcome of the conversation that I had with my intended prospect. And then that leads to an unintended consequence, which is cold conversation at scale can actually drive and develop an inbound loop, feedback loop, fly mechanism that we often don't talk about. Most people think a cold call is simply to get the meeting in front of them today. It's really not. It's to trigger the fastest way to manoeuvre somebody from zero trust to some degree of trust in the form of a conversation. And and that's where I find that the art and the science come together. When I hear people talk about inbound, it's fundamentally about the measurable pieces, not about the actual human to human component. That's the bit that I find missing a lot of inbound. Interesting.
2: I, I, I mean, what have you got to add to to that perspective?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of points. I think um, on Sam's point about cold call and connect rate, I think actually, you know, let's let's be friends for a minute. There's there's something valid there. <clears throat> I, I don't think it's any different in digital inbound marketing or or, or or paid ads because ultimately you pay to put the ad in front of people. They click on it you pay to put the email in somebody's LinkedIn and many don't re- respond and never do anything with it. <clears throat> that's still time, energy, effort, budget that's getting wasted. And I think that's true of both channels to some degree. I think what we're looking at is the overall effectiveness rather than whether, whether it's not. And I think to Sam's example, you know, it, yeah, I guess it's a bit like me writing bad copy. I can probably expect to get no response. If you're, a, if you're a cold caller by trade and you're doing it well, you should have the right data, the right tech stack, the right tools and be using data that, you know, picks up the phone more regularly. Um, so, you know, that's that's potentially a, a, an exceptional example rather than the norm. Um, but I think that's absolutely one that's worth talking about. Um, I think also there's this piece about the the, the, the advantage of, of, of cold calling actually feeding into your marketing strategy. So we talk about spending part of our 10K on people that are going to be nurtured and learn about us and be educated over a long, long period of time. If we can put them into marketing, having made a cold, marketing, having made a cold call to them, we've built some of that trust. We've got them further along the journey in understanding the brand, and then I think the marketing can go on and be far more effective. And I don't think you necessarily get that the other way around because, of course, you can only make a cold call as the first point of contact. Otherwise, otherwise, it's not a cold call. So, that, that, there's a couple of pieces there just to add into the mix.
2: Um, so, what would you say when it comes to the quality? Um, of the lead that's being generated on inbound um, versus uh, outbound, Sam? Like where where does quality of lead fall uh, in your experience of generating inbound leads?
0: Completely depends on the channel you used to generate it. But let's look at this scenario. So let's look at a high intent channel like Google search. If someone searches for, I don't know, best product company, let's say, for example, best financial CRM company, maybe you're a SaaS company, private financial CRM, whatever, your result comes up top Um, on the basis that someone really needs a service. They've searched it on Google. They've then gone to your website. They go to your website. They get a quick idea of what you do, how you help, maybe some of the clients you've serviced. Maybe they look at some social proof like client review videos, case studies. Maybe they check out your pricing page so they know that your starting rates are Once they've consumed all this information, they've got an idea. They think, yes, these rates fit what I can do. Yes, they've helped other similar people. Okay, I'm going to go ahead, book book some time on the sales reps' calendar. I'm going to book a time to speak with sales. So in that example, the prospect's very, very qualified because they've got high intent. They've gone to Google. They're aware they've got a problem they need fixed. They're aware they need a solution for it. They've gone to your website. They've self-qualified themselves, which doesn't happen on a cold call. And they've booked time on the sales rep calendar. So that's an extremely warm lead who we know has got budget. So in that scenario, it's probably about 10 times better than a cold prospect. It so, was probably very, very early on in the sales cycle.
2: So Sam said it, Justin. The, the inbound leads are just better quality overall.
3: Um, so yeah, I would tend to agree with my partner in crime, Sam, here. Um, and in, in my perspective, it, it comes down to this. So what Outbound said kind of triggered a thought in me of, you know, you can, it's about trust that I think we can all agree on is about trust. Now, do I agree that 30 seconds or five minutes on the phone is going to be the best way to build the trust? I mean, an expert outbound salesman probably can do that more competently than most. But when you're nurturing someone through 90 days of organic communities, they consume eight YouTube videos, they see a dozen LinkedIn posts, then they search online and they see you come up on page one. That's third party validation or when they search top LinkedIn ads agencies and they find a, a, a list and they see you at the top of it. It's I think in my mind, it's easier for a prospect to trust you when other people are telling them how great you are versus you telling them how great they are or you are. Can I, can, I that, can I jump in on that, Can I jump? Because I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Justin, I totally agree with you, but it took 90 days
1: to get there. My cold mm. call was five minutes, so we're not comparing apples with apples. If I got the chance to have eight conversations with that person over 90 days, I'd back myself for that person to trust me and my business far more than them reading eight pieces of content over 90 days that oh, were okay. that they engaged with. So I think we, mm. we I, I agree with you entirely on those two scenarios, but I think they're different things. I think that, you know what we're not doing is comparing a three-month nurture journey yeah. that takes three months with a five-minute cold call. We're we're looking at what what's the you know what's the first the, the most powerful entry into drive revenue. And I think if we've got three months to sit around and wait for that opportunity to come in, cool. But I guess most people <laughs> are going to go and start investing ten grand a month. Are going to want to see something sooner than that.
4: I'd, I'd I'd like to sort of jump on that. I speak to a lot of customers every single day who are trying to find ways to diversify from purely inbound strategies at the moment and diversify their playbook. And there's a reason for it. The two keen reasons that it exists is deal density tends to be lower with inbound because they've researched, they understand category, they understand pricing dynamics, and they're ready and they're prepared. Whereas with outbound deals, they might take a little bit longer, but fundamentally the average deal value is typically higher in in an outbound sale than it is in an inbound sale. I think the second area of sort of compounding value for outbound in terms of revenue density, especially in B2B, sales today is the idea that net revenue retention is typically far greater in outbound originated deals than against inbound originated deals you know anybody who's coming shopping on inbound is fundamentally treating the proposition as a commodity whereas anybody that's taken the time to establish a conversation with a complete stranger about something that they probably knew was a problem and then go through the effort to go into a discovery meeting go into the effort into a proof of concept go to the effort to go into redlining without any real conceptual idea that they even had the problem is a worthier customer because you've heightened the tension. Whereas inbound, I just facilitate, I'm transactional. I'm not necessarily developing keen value in relation to the big business goal that we're trying to solve. I think there's one third thing that, that sort of really needs to be understood a little bit. And that is the sort of cycle of, of retention and renewal inside of B2B dynamics today. There's a phenomenal e- economist called Chet Holmes right and he's the guy that gave us the three percent in market today number right but the real reason that he's driven from that is that most people are replacing or displacing a business service every 12 quarters right? so it's imperative that sellers use conversations in a slightly different way right the art of the cold conversation is to complete the conversation it's not necessarily to get the meeting right so what else can i learn in a cold conversation i can learn about who's relevant I can learn about when timing is relevant. I can learn about the archetype of my company that I'm selling to, how they buy. I can learn about who the incumbents are. I can learn about all of these other things that are only inherently packaged in the private information that happens between me and Justin Rowe in a cold call. I can't really find any of that additional information out any other way without either paying through the nose for it. Or being on the inside already
2: okay well, jerry that's just something to, that i think
4: it's really important
2: just to hold, hold, hold back a little bit just for airtime purposes and um, you can tell who does the outbound um, <laughs> <ball> activity <laughs> um so so no fantastic points but some bold ones there
0: Chili Piper is an advanced scheduling solution for B2B revenue teams. Rather than listen to me ramble on, here's a super happy customer describing how Chili Piper has revolutionised the way they work. Chili Piper is a tool has just become part of our fabric. It's our meeting booking system for our prospects and you'll be pleased to hear it. it just does it. It's like the ideal piece of software which you don't have to babysit, it just does what it needs to do. My SDR team like using it as well. The main bulk of their role is outbound prospecting, which they use Chili Piper to book book those meetings. Ultimately they are booking meetings for the account executive. Their handoff is working, you know, really well. You just heard there how Chili Piper can free up resources and turbocharge your productivity. Book your free demo today over at ChiliPiper.com slash BGS. That's C H I L I P I percom slash B-G-S. chilipipercom slash B-G-S. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps... You already work with a web or seo agency but they're just not getting you the results they promised let's fix that get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com that's webchoiceuk.com mention the podcast and set up a call with sam to see if we can help you with the results today
2: I just just want to bring in the debate from the audience because we've got a fantastic um, group of contributors. We've heard from Raj, um, Gavin, Blake, Abigail, Isabel, Stefan, Matt. And there's a debate going on in the comments. There's there's almost two debates going on right now. And if we could, in marketing, bring on Isabel Hughes. Um, She says, surely someone coming to your website and filling in a form to learn more about your company is far more likely to convert to pipeline revenue than one you're trying to convince over the time, over the phone. So she's said it there for inbound um, that you've got a higher conversion rate than uh, uh, than your your friends or foes over at the outbound team. Like, that is that true, Sam?
0: If you use your website properly, um, which not every B2B company does, so your website can quite literally be your very best or your very worst salesperson. So going back to the start of the convo, your website literally is a 24-7 sales rep, but it can hinder your your company or it can really help it. So if you position your website, ultimately I've interviewed 300 plus B2B buyers on my podcast. I talk to them every day. Most B2B kind of marketers, leaders don't have much time. They want to quickly head onto your website, get a quick idea of what you do, how you're going to help them, check results that you've helped similar types of companies, check your pricing, check within budget. And on the basis, all those tick boxes are ticked. Then they're going to book a call or fill out a form to speak with sales. So if you're skipping any of those stages I just outlined, If you're not sharing proof of results, how you help people, case studies, an idea of pricing, then you might get a bunch of terrible leads. But if you are, you're allowing these visitors to your website to self-qualify, tick all those boxes, then they can book time with sales, and then those leads are going to be highly qualified, they're going to have good intent, and the chances are they'll close at a much higher percentage, as opposed to outbound, where you're reaching out to people cold. A lot of CMOs, a lot of CTOs, a lot of CIOs don't even take cold calls. They'd much rather do their research online, whether that's a search engine, review site, podcast, learn the information they need, then go to your website, then speak to a sales rep when they're informed, I, um, when they're ready.
4: I, I sort of fundamentally agree there, but it's quite interesting. I'm, I'm working on a problem set for what, a really big tech company at the moment, and one of it's around scripting for inbound, right? They get so much inbound, and they've got a scripting mechanism for it, which sounds something like this. Um Sam, appreciate the conversation. Really, really value you downloading X, Y, Z. When we see this, it buckets prospects into one of three categories. So sort the of tie-kicking was born on a Zoom call and just seeing what's out there. Two, starting to research. Three, I'm in market for whatever it is I can solve for today. Right? Why are they doing that? Because they're getting so much of the inbound. But
0: you're you know, talking about MQLs it, as opposed to SQLs. I'm talking I'm about sales talking about qualified inbounds
4: either. that come straight off a website and directed to a sales rep. Right, so but the company
0: shouldn't but, be sending ebooks to sales reps. That's terrible. No, no,
4: that's <laughs> the process. This is a sophisticated company. It's well capitalized. It's a billion dollar in revenue, and they haven't got this figured out yet. Mm. Right. Mm. And the point I'm making is that inbound is still a prioritization exercise inside of a company's process. In a lot of instances, <laughs> I think the second thing is um, again, you've got to be aware of the fact that every sort of analogy that you're speaking to at the moment is about active buyer. And and active buyer isn't essentially where most people's revenue comes from. Most people's revenue comes from because they're innovation companies. Most companies aren't aware of the problem or they're not aware of that company's ability to service the problem. They don't have sophisticated marketeers on 10K a month. I'm sorry, they just don't. They don't have people that they can resource. So
0: how else do you get
2: started? Sam wants to rebuttal that. Um, Just let him bring in his point.
0: That's a fair point, but what I would say is a lot of um, B2B companies that want to scale revenue fast, they're going to be targeting high-level decision makers, CMOs, CTOs, CIOs, CIOs, chief sales officers, whatever. The sales officers might take cold calls, but the rest of them probably won't. So a lot of these people want to educate themselves. They might not be in market right now, but this is where Justin's techniques kick in, i.e. ads in the feed on LinkedIn that might educate people around case studies, problems you solve, etc., podcasts, industry-relevant podcasts where you can get the information you need, get the actual tips, YouTube channels, putting out LinkedIn organic content. So over time, you're educating this market that's not receptive to cold calls. Then when they do come into market, that's when they might search you on Google. They might hide, head direct to your website. They'll, they'll request to raise their hands to speak um, to sales. So we're both I, educating I, the market not ready to speak to sales, and we're yeah. capturing the demand of the people that are.
2: I mean, uh, can, I, can I dive in? Yeah, come in.
1: Yeah, I do. I do want to a couple of things on this. I want to just go back to the original question, which is about quality. Um, and, 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 and just point something out here that um, I, I don't fundamentally agree with the idea of putting pricing on a website for every service. I'm sure for some product base, I want to buy a, a microphone, it costs this much. Yeah, fine, of course. But when it comes to intangible B2B services, I think what you do is run the risk of buyers making big assumptions without talking to a human being. And they need to be talking to somebody to understand what you actually get for that price. What does it look like? And I think if you in my experience where I've seen that put on a a website for our client base or for us, what we've ended up doing is reducing the number of good quality as well as poor quality leads that come in. And that's not always a good thing. So um, I, I. I do think you're right. I think it would qualify out a lot of the tire kickers, but I think it could potentially qualify out some of the right kind of clients as well. I think Sam's point around, you know, the podcast and that kind of stuff, um, or, or, you know, they might not take a cold call, but they prefer to find out about the information this way. You've got to remember, they've got to know that it exists. So if you do something that people buy normally anyway, great. But there are so many people now who are trying to sell something new that people don't understand. A, a, A banner ad or whatever it might be, in the same way as you could argue that people won't, won't take cold calls, they equally might not respond to, to ads on their screen and click. How, if you go and talk to senior, senior C-level decision makers, how many of them are genuinely scrolling through LinkedIn with a view of, oh, I might just click on this ad over here. You know, the, the percentages of people from ad view to ad engagement is so low. I'd argue probably lower than the number of percentage of people I speak to that I could convert into a meeting. And my final point on this quality piece is around inbound tire kickers. It doesn't matter what you put in front of writing in writing in front of people, there are lots of people who won't read it, who will ignore it, who will make their assumptions, as I said before. When I look at our inbound leads, so we've got SDRs setting meeting for our AEs. We, we see over 80% of those meetings ending up in an opportunity, in a proposal. On inbound, that number is a long way below 50%. And we're going quality, quality, quality in our messaging. Our content is about top of market. Our content is about, you know, we're educating through podcasts. And we're saying, you know, don't, don't use cheap outsourced telemarketing companies overseas. Yet we still get people phoning saying, so it's about £15 an hour, right? I'm comparing you to this company in the Philippines. Doesn't matter what you put in front of them, you're still going to get people filling in that form who either, what it was a spur of the moment thought, and they won't answer the phone afterwards, or they're, they're, they're looking for something that you can't do because they're not detailed people. And I would argue that the, the the quality of outbound is far more controllable because you make the decision on who goes through to the meeting, not, right. the, the, I, not the, the inquiry form.
2: Thanks for sharing, Owen. I just want to pick up a point in the audience um, Lloyd has said, do the C-suite really want, um, want to spend hours researching everything they buy. Owen's point and Jerry's point is that you can get straight to the conversation, uncover the needs and take them through to the next step. Uh, I mean, basically, no one's doing any research at sea level. Isn't that right? Justin,
3: <laughs> yeah, that that sounds about right. Especially when you're talking about you know enterprise solutions, SaaS business solutions, they're they're pretty much impulse shoppers. They'll just uh, you know if you tell them the need exists and it sounds good, you know they'll they'll ask their spouse if they can you know make the purchase, and then it just happens. Um, I would say though that the the one thing I think is is interesting here is for outbound when they I do think that's actually a really great way to serve the 97% who's, you know, not currently doesn't know there's a need that's legitimate. The problem though, is once you've exposed there, they have a need, they're going to start researching and they're going to come through inbound on our side. So I feel like, unless you're converting them on the call, but like you said, that's 3%. So that's, that's a very small play. So for the very, for the other side, you, it sounds like outbound kind of needs inbound to, uh, to help that scale. Uh, but the the inbound doesn't necessarily need the outbound to scale to the same degree. But I'll give you the speed point.
4: Um, no, I think, I, think outbound <laughs> create, I think outbound actually does create an unstoppable flow of inbound, providing your rapid good. You make I think some, it makes
1: inbound more effective, yeah. I think
4: it makes inbound a lot more effective. So whenever I speak to a CMO today, because ironically, CMO spends more money on connect and sell than, they, than the CSO does or the CEO generally. Mm. So we find mm. marketing buys our product more than anybody but, else at the moment
0: also um, depends re- on the stage of your company, right? Because yeah, a little bit, uh, a lot of B two B tech companies, especially, follow the Aaron Ross's predictable revenue model. So they'll they'll jump into it, which I'm not slaying it too much because yeah. it's worked for years. But U S. companies, especially, they'll pay up up to sixty k dollars per SDR, and that's capturing perhaps some of the top of the funnel. So reaching out to people cold, like we we talked about, the, the connect rate on the cold calls might, might not be great. It's going to take a while for them to ramp up to actually get used to reaching out cold. In the meantime, we could run inbound marketing, whether that's paid ads, review sites, SEO, LinkedIn ads, whatever campaigns we run to our website, we could be capturing that market. And depending on the size of your market, that could be thousands and thousands of prospects flooding your inbound sales team's calendars, filling them up for months and months for the first probably 24, 36 months, whilst that outbound motion is probably still getting set up for the first few months. So fundamentally, companies are investing tons and tons of money into 60K plus SDRs, depending on where they're located put the same money into inbound, your, your sales reps' calendars would be absolutely flooded. So well, if, if that
4: was true, then why would, why would the, the calendar problem exist? Why would businesses like mine exist and why would businesses like Owen exist? If people could have, wave a magical wand and say inbound covers all problems, then we'd solve the meeting booking problem forever. It works, I believe, where you've got a known commodity that people are actively seeking on a regular cycle. Where you've got an unknown quantity an innovation, a new idea, a new perspective, a new company starting in life, generally speaking, that's essentially where where Outbound's gonna be, where you get your inflection point in your scale, because you need to learn what you don't know. Inbound for me needs to be optimized around a clear message that's consistent, succinct, social evidence, social proof. So many companies today don't have any of that stuff, Mm. right? 42% of pre-series A startups fail within 18 months because they can't get message market fit right. And there's no amount of PPC and SEO that's gonna help them calibrate on that. Whereas with a well-structured list and a hypothesis about who you can serve and the ability to calibrate that evidence and re-pivot and adjust, you have a better chance at survival for the 10K a month that you're gonna be spending to do the same thing.
2: So I just wanna move the conversation on a little bit from an effort and reward perspective. Like, isn't it right uh, on Outbound, I mean, that it's just more effort before you start seeing rewards without bound.
1: I spoke to a client last week who came to us and said we spent 24 grand a month on LinkedIn in ads last last month and we've got three inquiries and I said who's managing LinkedIn ads? And they said we've got three full-time staff. Three full-time staff managing their content. Do you know how many rewrites of the ads that they've done? 16, 17 across the month? They're testing it every other day. They're changing it when it sees a thousand people. So So I think the short answer is no. Is it hard to get right? And I will give a concession here. Yeah. Like everything, there's a skill. And I think all four of us are smart enough to say Mm. poor content, poor inbound marketing is going to get you nothing. Poor cold calls is going to get you nothing, right? I think for the sake of this debate, we all have to assume that it's done at a a minimum acceptable level for it to work (laughs) in anything. But... For me, no, I think that, is it a different kind of hard work? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to, you know, you've got to be prepared to be rejected. You've got to be resilient. You've got to, you know, you've got to deal with people that don't want to talk to you right now. And all of that stuff is true, but that doesn't make the end result less effective. But I think the same is true of Inbound. I think, Justin's point, eventually you can probably sleep and it works. Yeah, absolutely. But if I'm a startup and I've got 10K to invest in something, I'm not thinking about when I can turn that off in 12 months time. I'm thinking about how can I drive revenue now in the most effective way, the fastest way. So I'm not gonna pretend like it's easy, because it's not, but I don't think you could say that of inbound either. I think the point here is that it's no harder if you've got the right skill set, the right approach, the right data. In fact, it's quite enjoyable. It's pretty simple to understand. There isn't much that can go wrong. You've got to, you know, the, the, the metrics are easy to understand. The data is easy to understand and it's repeatable. Whereas, in you know it, it, in digital you can have seasonal trends like for example a ppc spend that in august people aren't searching you've got 50 percent reduction in that search term because people are away what do you do so sam, sam and justin
2: owen seems to think that um all these outbound callers out there are perfect um and they deliver <laughs> yeah. on, on every call that they make and that it guarantees success <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of it. Um, that's what I said, yeah. <laughs> it sounds quite easy. Like, what, yeah. what's, what's the real effort involved on, on the inbound side?
0: Yeah, we're all <laughs> born as Benjamin Dennehy, so it's, it's no issue whatsoever. Um, but no, jokes aside, I mean, I'll give you an example. So when I was at another marketing company that we scaled, we basically bootstrapped. I was, we had no cash in the bank at all, so I cold-cooled for like the first two months solid just to generate appointments. And it was a tough game, like I was literally going for a data list, sweating my ass off by morning till night, booking these appointments, having to get the train up to London, and then some of them were okay, some of them weren't, this is before everything went tech. And had we had this 10 grand a month, I wouldn't have needed to do that, because that 3% of the market would have been absolutely fine just in this scenario. I could have put, we we're a B2B tech company, so I could have just chucked that into some Google Pay search, some paid review sites, that would probably be absolutely fine. Then people having that intent, people literally needing our service, jump onto Google, type in the service, see our website top on the paid search, review sites. That would have given us plenty of leads. So if I could have flipped that, it would have saved me a lot of time, a lot of hassle. It could have filled my calendar, a couple other sales reps calendar. And that's before we even starting talking about educating the market, creating demand, building demand, building brand affinity. So um, that's my so, instant rebuttal, so plus Sam, the amount of-
2: like, So inbound is better for health,
0: health and wealth (laughs) so like you know
2: there's a there's a clear statement there Jerry. that (laughs)
0: that
2: that, you know inbound is is much better for um your business's health and wealth like the upside is there um like you know what why really would you consider outbound if inbound is working so successfully with that 10k Um, budget
4: because I think people are fundamentally frustrated with geared towards content that they feel is advertorial. Um, I'm not going to talk about my personal experiences, but I'm just curious to sort of get a sense of what people's thoughts are on LinkedIn conversion right now. You know, I heard one anecdote recently that said that a LinkedIn ad, ad, ads investment was less than half a percent yield, which is just to me something that I can't compute in my head. Spend money to get half a percent of my time back. Whereas I know that if I can execute a good cold call message, I get 5% conversion minimum up to 10% conversion. Right. I think the second thing is people have to understand their swim lanes. Right. And I think, you know, marketing is a complex sort of proposition to solve sales to marketing is a complex thing to solve. The dream for all of us is to find this fully stitched integrated marketing sales engine, which is non-competitive. But I think one of the fundamental problems that still exists today for the majority of B2B companies is the fact that inbound language is still very sort of category product and, and product centric, whereas sales language is a lot more humanized. It's a lot less specific to the product, more interesting in terms of stimulating curiosity and thinking through whether or not people should even engage with you at all. And that to me is the most valuable information you can get. I, I struggle to measure proxy but I do know how to measure hard facts and inputs. And, and what I found when I was inter and CROing for a while was I talked to people about digital marketing. And of course I wanted to do it. I'm fundamentally lazy, by the way. So anything that made my time... You can
1: work in inbound, so you don't have to work for a month and it still does it for right. you. But this is the <laughs> point.
4: Anytime I had somebody try to explain <laughs> the mechanics to me, they never really could. I felt like I was a complete muggle in a world of wizards. And, and that, that made it very, very, very hard for me to understand. Whereas if you give me a list, you give me a CRM and you give me a competent rep with a brilliant message, I know that I can have an immediate impact with that. And I've got control over that. I'm not outsourcing it to the world of wizards anymore. So for a lot of sales leaders like me or a lot of people in the world like me, and there are a lot more of them than you think there are, understanding what goes under the hood of, of inbound is exceptionally hard for a lot of people to even comprehend. So you've got to live where your prospect lives in a lot of instances, and there are still a lot of prospects, believe it or not, who live in the phone.
2: So, um, Justin, what like there was a couple of points, Jerry, about this kind of humanization and the fact that you can really more effectively connect with someone over a conversation. Um, and you know, is is what you put on landing pages, what you put out on your marketing not resonating to your audience? like Is it all just feature, feature, feature? I mean, do you use video, for example, to humanize um, what you do? Like, Tell us. Don't give them
1: the answers, James.
3: (laughs) I tend to like to just hit them with ads and then I retarget them and just club them like a baby seal with more ads until they just submit and buy. I I find that's the best approach Um, and if we can just do that. (laughs) <laughs> and uh <laughs> I did wanna I did want to rebuttal. Um, he was throwing shade at uh people's aversion to ads, but I think the assumption is what they like being cold called. Uh so I don't think I think there's an aversion to ads, there's an aversion to being cold called, but I think the thing we can agree on is the humanizing. And so I would say there's bad cold callers who say, hello, my name is Justin, and I am with Impactable. I can get you 5X ROI on your spend. And then there's bad ads that are just features, features, buy, bye. My my thought process on ads in general, and I also, you know, the fact that digital ads and inbound is more complex, I'll give you that. Um, but I don't think just because a smoke signal is easier to understand that that's going to be the most effective approach to uh, to marketing either. I think humanizing your brand is the right idea. I like to use videos. I like to use ads that don't look like ads. I like to use ads that deliver guaranteed you know, trust and credibility. Here's our case studies. Here's our testimonials. Here's us giving expert advice on how to solve your problem, educate you about your pain points. It's not just here's our product. Here's how much it costs. You know, I don't treat B2B buying like e-com where it's just if we just retarget them with price and discounts and features. Um, so I do think... Either either one done poorly um is not gonna work. Uh so yeah, for the for the inbound, I would say that's a that's a big sticking point is doing it right, humanizing your brand is good. And there's intermixing demand gen with inbound marketing that creates that ecosystem.
2: What would you add, Sam?
3: Yeah. Um so what I'd say is Jerry
0: raised quite an interesting point that like the inbound magic is almost like Harry Potter. So it's the muggles versus the wizards and then kind of Justin layered on that with the the humanizing, which I agree with. But I think the issue is, and a lot of marketers face this as well, is they don't actually know what their target clients, what their idle client profile cares about. So I think the problem with a lot of marketers and salespeople as well, so bad cold callers, bad marketers, they don't actually genuinely know what their target clients care about. And what I mean by that is what are the top three problems that they face, i.e. you target CMOs, you target CTOs, you target sales directors. What are the most frustrating things that they care about, and that's what you should be leveraging these kind of problems, but not necessarily saying we these three three bullet points on your website homepage, but or on your ad, but leveraging those in the content you produce, whether that's articles on your site, videos you produce, podcasts, whatever, and basically laying down kind of how you can fix them, ways around it, giving people ideas to fix them themselves. Um, so really taking the time to speak to your existing customers, your kind of best return prospects, and all that kind of stuff, and then understanding kind of what, what is the things they want to fix? What do they care about? Why is it important to them? What have they already tried to fix it? And then leveraging those points so your marketing, your messaging, your inbound engine can actually be effective, can speak to prospects rather than trying to ram features and benefits down their neck so and also using up, the language they use.
2: I just want to pick up on something you said there, Sam. Does this not lean towards the outbound argument that you've got to speak to your prospect first to understand their problems? The outbound thing
1: yeah, from, from the inbound calls. Oh. <laughs> Eighty percent of which are with people that aren't in your target market, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm, <sure> <laughs> what what what? Are your thoughts, Owen? Look, I, you, I think you've made a really good point there. The human conversation piece um, comes first with cold calling. I think it comes at the end with with inbound. So you know, there's a there's a reversal of order somewhat. And I think back to my point earlier, Justin said about you know i think inbound can can um support the cold calling but not necessarily the other way around i'd be tempted. I, I know the answer to this and if if they tell me the answer is different i'll argue it if i said to sam and justin here's a list of 100 people i've spoken to would you rather market to them and we've qualified or would you ra- rather to market market to people we've never spoken to before same sort of profile same addressable market i know where we'd be putting our focus from a marketing perspective if we've got half a brain. So I think the argument goes both ways for for me. I just want to take a scenario um, and just look at a business that wants to get going, get going fast. And I think what both of us, and this is both sides of the argument are effectively taking best case here and saying, when we do best case, it's incredible. Um, if you've got 10K a month to spend on something and you're starting go to market for the first time, the chance of you getting an incredible marketeer or an incredible salesperson that's going to go do this for you are pretty slim because you're starting out. You've probably not got the best employer brand. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of testing that you've got to do with both strategies. One of the things that I love about getting out of cold calling, this comes back to a point that Jerry gave us earlier, is that day one, we're on the phone talking to people, we're learning. We're having human conversations. We're building trust. We're learning. We're getting feedback. We can still inform marketing that we're doing without spending our 10k. We can do the free stuff. We can create content, all that kind of stuff. But, and I think there's a good good argument there for, for marketing. By the way, I shouldn't have given you that. Sorry. Um, but my <laughs> point here is that we're learning fast and we're on it. Day two, I'm in a, in a meeting. I'm going right. I've spoken to 30 people this is what they're telling me, this is what's working with our messaging, this is not. That process is so much longer, or so much shorter, sorry, when you're out having human conversations that are two way. So Justin's example earlier of those people reading eight bits of content before they even make contact with you and then making contact with you 90 days later because you're at the top of a list and they see you again and go, oh, that's great. Brilliant, the quality of that inquiry is high. Back to my point, it's taken 90 days and in that time, your business has learned nothing. It's only at that point do you yeah. learn why is that yeah. person engaging with me, what worked, yeah. what hasn't. In You've the meantime, sure. I've, sp- I've spoken to that person five times and I've got two-way feedback yeah. and I'm adapting accordingly. And, and, and it actually it's so deploys cool.
4: coming back to the sort of full cycle loop or the, the flywheel loop that I was talking about. So we, we had a, a big company who has one key account. That's it. That's his job. He sells one thing to Huntsman, right? He's never penetrated Huntsman before. He's new to Roll. He was able to have like twenty-five conversations in two days with twenty-five key stakeholders in the company who'd never heard of that business, in spite of the fact that they've got huge brand recognition, recognition and a, you know, ten billion dollar market cap.
2: So, so just on that point, Sam, like literally, you you can't get that type of feedback that quickly, in inbound.
0: Yeah, but I think Owen's talking about training sales reps. So what would you rather do? Spend, I don't know, 200 grand or maybe five SDRs that might be some of them, which might be grads. Some of them might get bored after 30 days. Some of them might not cut it because they hate cold calling. They hate rejection. They hate getting screamed at down the phone. So probably a couple of those you've lost off the bat. E- meanwhile, you can invest it in capturing the demand of people that are ready to speak to sales right now, have a much more enjoyable experience. Of I've only got money 10K money a month, month, Sam.
1: I, I don't have 200 month. grand. I've well, You've, talked, you've
0: talked about training sales reps. They're, they're quite expensive, Why? mate. No, no, actually training sales reps
4: wasn't part of the conversation at all. It was using sales reps for yeah, the information gathering exercise, <laughs> right? It wasn't about training the rep. It was how do I inculcate the information and give that information back to the organization so that you can recalibrate. That's mm-hmm. where outbound is actually the most useful use of outbound selling time as it is. If you don't go and get meetings, you get a lot of other outcomes. We call it the five notes, right? Right? No, not me. No, not now. No, not you. No, not never. Right? And then there's a fifth no, which is you just don't get into the conversation. But each and every single one of those no's has unique data and unique value that's proprietary. Now, I take that proprietary information. I can turn it into more dynamic messaging, or I can change my market hypothesis. But I've got intimacy in my feedback that I simply don't have if I've got purely digital strategy. Here's a quick okay.
0: rebuttal to that. Oh, go on, Sam. Uh, hat tip, Josh Braun. Rather than reaching out people cold. Invite prospects into your inbound engine. So, if you host a podcast, and let's say we target chief marketing officers, let's start a warm conversation with that. Let's invite them into a useful session. Over time, let's nurture with <coughs> our LinkedIn content, our video content, and when they're ready, they'll inquire via our website. So we've had a. So much that, Sam, new when was the last time you
1: listened to a podcast and bought, immediately bought from that person or bought from them within a month? Within a month, a couple
0: times. Course, give like, an, example. Look, give an example
1: give me a real life example please please do it of course yeah. it doesn't
0: work that fast we're talking about creating demand that's the same as a cold call right like it's yeah. it's, it's pretty rare you're going to get someone right here right now in that buying window
1: no but here's the point right here's the point but it happens and the point is you you absolutely not going to cold call someone book a meeting and they buy tomorrow but if i've got 10 grand a month from a standing start and i want to drive revenue in I'm not going down a come and listen to my podcast route. I'm sorry, I'm not. I can see the value in the podcast. I have a podcast. But I tell you right now, it did not take me a month or two to start generating some revenue from inviting people onto or listening to my podcast. It took a lot longer. And that adds value to all of our marketing strategy, which you know, real life is there's gotta be a blend, I get it. But if I'm standing start and I've got money to spend on a channel, I'm going nowhere near podcasts now. I'll do that version, you know, chapter two, chapter three. Yeah, fine. But that's not driving revenue in faster than than, than other strategies that we talked about today. Okay. Um, so I just want to, like,
2: just change this up a little bit. You've both been going pro in your own camps. You know, the outbound team, pro <laughs> outbound, inbound, pro inbound. Obviously, that's the debate we've been uh, uh, having. I-, I want you to answer honestly, what are the challenges... Of your approach, what makes your approach, um, you know, difficult, challenging, or time-consuming? Jerry, come on, just be real.
4: It's it's four things, right? It's the list. Yeah, list my targeting, right? Is it the message? Can I scale it? Can I make it consistent and repeatable? And have I got the reps to deliver it? That's the third problem. Consciously competent reps who are not scared of the adversity that is inherent with an outbound call or email. And then the last one is you know how do i use the data to manage measure and improve if i don't get one of those three to four levers right everything else falls apart right so if i don't get my list right and i over index my data my message and my rep then i can be selling to a revops person for example instead of selling to the CEO when i need to be selling to the ceo so it's about constant monitoring i think we've got a lot of sales leaders in the world who are very very frightened of monitoring their reps today to that degree yeah you know, go and do what you want is the sort of kind of thing, which is why they're always looking for alternatives. But all effective outbound is based on the pillars, rep list, message management. Right? So those are the things that you need to make it work. Okay. And there are limitations with that.
2: Um Justin, what what are the challenges um with inbound?
3: Uh it's some of the similar things. Targeting is a is a big one. I mean, I think I think one of the problems with marketing in general and inbound marketing is uh, we rely, you know the company has to have certain things figured out. so um, you're right. I think I think the outbound side could probably have faster feedback loops and and more conversations like we have our digital signals like we can tell what they're searching for more and what you know kind of triggers them down the funnel faster. but I think yeah having a human conversation uh, can probably get you there faster. but the targeting is is a big one. The level of knowledge and awareness, I think one of the best cases for, Uh, outbound versus inbound with outbound you know winning would be if no one knows the problem exists like okay inbound's gonna be pretty hard uh, because then you have to you have to do some sort of put out there in the world that there is a problem and maybe that's outbound maybe like outbound cold calling or maybe that's you know linkedin ads or you know you have to push something onto people's in front of them they didn't ask for it they didn't know it existed so i think that could be a a massive problem for inbound if there's not even awareness of the of the problem or if that's lacking um then that's that's really problematic and then the other thing is you guys are right like the the time and the runway sure there is google search there's lists there's things you can do to capture in market and there for a lot of startups if there's an awareness of the problem that's enough to get them going pretty quickly while they build the other engine underneath um, but it does take time to build that engine. And so I, I put on my notes, like when I saw we were going to discuss speed, I was like, eh, I'm not, <laughs> that's a, that's a loss for us. Like, cause I, I honestly believe that, you know, I'm okay conceding that one because this does take time. And I recognize that that is a drawback for some people. Um, and so I would say those are the three things targeting the level of awareness in the market that there's even you know, a problem and then the time runway to build some of that, um, that structure and machine.
2: So very honest there, transparent. I want the same honesty from you, Owen, about the challenges of your.
3: All right then. <clears throat>
1: do you know, uh, Nikki Sydney said to me, someone I used to work with in Oz, and I think I've talked about some great advice from this person before. Said to me, the problem with sales is most people, most people can't do it, and I think that's just the, the reality. It, going back to Sam's point earlier, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying this about you, Sam, but making five, fifty cold calls and getting hold of, uh, getting hold of nobody, most people will stop at that point. And, you know, I always think of the, the the digging for gold and you stop about that far but before you get before the gold because you give up. And we're not built as humans, psychology wise, to deal with rejection, to deal with boredom. And that is a part of selling. Right. You go into meetings, whether it's face to face or cold calling and you get rejected, you get told, no, you don't get the phone answered. And it takes a certain psychology to be able to do that day in, day out, week in, week out. And that is a barrier to entry for the channel, without a doubt. So, you know, I think there are other barriers to entry for for Inbound around the ability to write content, create copy, be creative, all that kind of stuff. But that's one that always stands out for you for sales, that you can employ people that um, just simply cannot do the job or will not be able to do the job or won't have the psychological makeup to want to do it every day and it's probably you know some sometimes because they haven't got the resilience sometimes it's because they're, they're lazy and it is hard work right That's you know it is not easy to just keep talking to people all day and, and having those conversations it's tiring at the end of the day of cold calling I am tired I don't think I would be that tired if I was um I mean, it's going to sound facetious, if I was creating ads or if I was writing content or copy, I just don't because it's not as physically um, exhausting and draining. So that that is, a, that is a fact. I think the other piece is that data is such a critical part of getting outbound cold calling right. And data is a very, very difficult market. So if I want a really good dialer, sales, sales engagement tool, um, if I want a really good uh, piece of software for, for, for marketing to distribute my content they all exist and they do exactly what i want them to do and i'm often running connect and themselves a great example of the cold calling stuff it does what it says on the tin i use it it makes me go faster it's brilliant but if i want to just go and find perfect data a list of people that are perfect to call it doesn't exist and the, the advantage with inbound marketing or marketing is that you're not worried about that because it's not in front of you. It's, you're not having to deal with it on a case-by-case case scenario. But, of course, within sales, you're dealing with that, oh, that data is not perfect. That person's left the company. And I think there's some negative stuff in there that can get in the way. So it always comes back to me, to that psychology piece. As a human, we are pushing ourselves through uncomfortable barriers Whereas to Justin's point earlier, again, being a bit facetious, but there's some truth in there. I can sit back. And if it's working, it's working um, once I get to a certain point within bounds.
2: Thank you for sharing, Owen. Um, Sam?
0: Yeah, I agree with all those points, all all decent points. Um, So just to add to Justin, really, assuming you've got product market fit, if there isn't existing demand, like Justin said, if people aren't aware of a certain problem, or if people aren't product aware that there is a product or service that fixes this problem you're facing, then things like paid search, organic search, review sites, etc., cetera, aren't gonna be that useful. So you're gonna to have to look at actually educating the market. That's where things like LinkedIn, podcasts, et cetera, kick into play. Right,
2: I just so that- wanna put a pause on things and go to the audience. Um, Isabel, Zach, uh, Ryan, JD, Blake, um, Tommy, there's all sorts of people coming in with comments. Like, not what your preference of channel is, who? Do, but the question is, who won today's debate? Outbound for Jerry Hill and Owen Richards. Comment outbound for Jerry Hill and Owen Richards. Comment inbound for Sam and Justin. So let's see in the comments, who do you feel won today's bay
0: and there you have it i hope you enjoyed today's episode which is quite a bit different from our usual style of episodes to mix it up a bit as always if you did enjoy a quick subscribe on youtube or review and rating on your audio podcast channel is very much appreciated and with that i should catch you on the next one cheers